We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host Nick Pilato, reporting to you live from Giants Stadium. No, I'm just kidding. For those of you watching on YouTube, I have to do a green screen today. Been a whole disaster going on. I tried to rework this mic, this mic stand. A lot of int- a lot of issues, a lot of frustration. You know, when little things go wrong, Nick, in life, it's got to be the most frustrating thing. Minor inconveniences. There's actually an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm once. I don't know if you remember this, where he gets sent a package and it's like in one of those plastic wraps that are like sealed yeah. it's like the most impossible thing to open there's just like a scene of like three minutes of him trying to open that thing larry david and i thought it was actually like one of his funnier skits i just remember cracking up the first time i saw that and just dying because i know the exact experience and how g damn frustrating it can be and that's for the uh <laughs> the people with kids listening to go through that and now i've i've effed this whole thing up as far as this mic setup is so it's working now this is you know you can see it's not great but you know what? We're going to move on. we got a lot of draft to talk about. So my minor inconveniences aside, what's going on, Nick? Nothing. I'm ready to talk about edge rushers, Dan, because I think the edge position is, is, is one that we're not discussing in terms of the New York Giants all that much. But if you think about it, the Giants need edge depth. We know what Wink Martindale was able to do from 2018 to 2021 as the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. They had a lot of guys that they could recycle through, cycle through, you know, so... I'm uh, I think the Giants are going to look at this position possibly as early as day two, unless somebody fell to like day one, which I don't really envision a Nolan Smith falling that far, but we will go over him on this podcast. And I think it's even possible they could take one at 25 or like 28 through 31 or whatever if they trade, trade back. Down. Yeah, because and and that may be also, you know, a defensive lineman instead, like an interior guy, but they're looking to not only like, they're not viewing this thing. Like we got a need, we got a need for center. Let's fill that thing. We got a need for linebacker. Let's fill that thing. We're, they're looking to get the best players. And Joe Shane is a GM who comes from the brand bean tree where they kept drafting strength on strength when it comes to the defensive line and the pass rushers. So I don't think it would be impossible to see one of these edge rushers go, but we're going to talk about a bunch of them. We're going to try to also come up with a target round for each player uh, that, that we like them at. So, Let's start at the top here. We, we're not going to, uh, we, we could, you can I mean, you could do a quick thing on Will Anderson if you want. He's, he's my top ranked edge rusher. Yeah, same here, but I think we could forego that. Will Anderson is an absolute stud and he's dominated college football the last two years, specifically in 2021. And he has absolutely no shot of being selected by the New York Giants. No, he's not going to be a giant. Let's take a look at past Will Anderson on the edge. Um, 
Who's the next guy you want to talk about? You also have Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. He's not going to be selected. He's going to be like a top five, top 10 selection. Totally different player from Will Anderson. You have a player like Lucas Van Ness who will likely be a top 15 pick. We can start with Van Ness. I don't have my scouting report on him right now, but this is just one of those pure power rushers. Like I didn't see any type of finesse to Lucas Van Ness's game. He's the type of guy, though, that is going to run through you. And he was able to do that and have success at the Big Ted level when what his sophomore years was his redshirt sophomore season. So we're talking about a young player who isn't all that refined and who doesn't really have a, I feel like the speed to threaten tackles up the pass rushing arc. So where do you value that? I think he's going to be like a high floor run defender, somebody that you can insert into your defense. He's not going to let you down, right? Like a, like I think we talked about him on previous podcasts. We said like a Sam Hubbard, a player like that, who I loved mm-hmm. coming out of that draft, coming out of Ohio state. It's just where exactly do you value him, right? Like, do you value that guy as a top 15 pick? And I could hear arguments for yes, for no, for projection, for upside. But I personally like these guys who like are Nolan Smith, for instance, who can win around the edge and just absolutely put, strike the fear in the hearts of offensive tackles because they're going to have to be thinking speed, 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 but they have the power to run through you if they want to. They can convert speed to power. They can work their counter moves to go inside of the B gap. But players like that, I'm a little bit more interested in. But Lucas Van Ness, I still think he has a high floor and he'll be a good NFL player despite the fact that he's not really a high side rushing successful type of player. Yeah, Van Ness, it's a lot about projection. The NFL is looking at him. He's got a huge wingspan. He's big. He's strong. He's long. These are all projectable traits, but I think with Hubbard, you compared him to, he might have a career like that. Hubbard was just a lot more productive at Ohio state. The weird thing with Van Ness is he didn't even really like fully play every snap there. He was like subbed in and out. I thought that was odd about his profile. Yeah. I'm sure. I know it's Iowa, but it's like, and they do that a lot, that's, but that's why it's, it's like a friend. So I, so he never started because Kirk right. Ferentz is like 600 years old. And he's like, well, you're See, an underclassman. You're not starting. So he never actually makes start. him more of a projection for me though, Nick, yeah, um, especially yet. because a lot of what people like about him or just the, the the physical traits of the length and like here's the thing with van ness and this goes for tyree wilson too it's like those types of players to me have to become amazing with their hands and just be like these total beasts with their hands both from a powerful hand standpoint and from you know having a diverse array of move, moves with your hand usage and kind of like what we saw from dexter lawrence this year during his breakout his hand usage took a big step like tyree wilson i watch him and i think he's kind of like the better version of van ness i don't really love tyree wilson though in this class either i started watching a little of him i like how, how powerful his hands are and how fast he gets them up in there but like i feel like with him it's like every pass rush was the same with him it was all just like the bull rush inside using those hands and i guess that could probably work at the nfl level to an extent, but like to an extent, to an extent. And it's like, now we're talking about these dudes is like, at least Tyree is like supposed to be one of the best prospects in this class. To me, this again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's just a super disappointing class at the top. Like Tyree Wilson is not someone I'd be excited about the giants getting. And we're talking about supposedly one of the best players in this whole class. So those two players to me kind of not similar, but I, the idea is similar to me um, moving past those two, who would you want to go to as the third? I think it's fair to go Nolan Smith as the third. Cause I think he's probably the guy we're most excited about. Also, I think he's probably for any team. I'd probably have him number, number three. So let's go Nolan Smith for now. Yeah, I absolutely love Nolan Smith's tape. And I know he has kind of a, a weird career arc because he was the number one overall recruit. I believe it was the 2019 recruiting cycle. It was the recruiting cycle that Kayvon Thibodeau came through. Kayvon Thibodeau was number two to Nolan Smith. And Nolan Smith, I don't believe he's ever had 
five sacks in a season. I have that stat written down somewhere in his profile. I don't see it right now, but he never had one of those huge statistical type of seasons. People argue it's because it's Georgia's defense. I could see that because they have five stars. He didn't have to play, you know, 40 snaps a game and all that. He's also dealt with injuries. He missed most of last season or at least the back third of last season with a torn peck. But when he's out there, Dan, Nolan Smith is 238 pounds, not the biggest guy, not the most physically imposing, but I just feel like it's all muscle, right? Like he is just a block of muscle moving out there that is wildly explosive, twitched up, has been to just basically get his upper body parallel to the ground to win high side around the edge, has a variety of different pass rush moves, can convert speed to power, can run through your face. Now, I wouldn't say he's the most powerful rusher. He doesn't have the type of power, I would say, like a Lucas Van Ness, but he's still above average in that area. And I just really appreciate, and I have a synopsis on him we can go over in a little bit and a bunch of like little bullet points, but I really just appreciate how physical he was despite his size. He's a really good run defender. He takes pride in being a run defender. And I think he also is one of those players who was a pursuit player who could play with his hair on fire. And any defense that you add him to, they're going to get at worst a very, very talented situational pass rusher. But again, I think he can be a, I don't I mean, I don't want to say he's a four, three end because he couldn't do that, but three, four outside linebacker. Sure. You want to play him off ball sometimes. Okay. You know, you can use him in a bunch of dry, a variety of different ways because he's very athletic and just smooth in space, like a very smooth operator. So I really, really liked his tape. Yeah. I loved watching him as well. And when I watch Nolan Smith, the edge bend comes to mind, the power, I feel like he can be also a speed to power kind of rusher as well at the next level. And when I look at Nolan Smith, what I like a lot about him is how you can kind of project him to the next level. This dude ran a 4.39 at 238 pounds. That's absolutely insane at 238 pounds. Kind of gives you an idea of his, you know, you're not going to run 40 yards as an edge rusher at the NFL level. There's no point to that, but it does give you an idea of his speed overall and his speed in pursuit as well as a run defender at the next level. Because one thing, this is not going to be the main thing we're talking about with Smith. One thing I noticed when watching him is how well he plays. And we talked about this a lot with Kayvon Thibodeau last year. Remember how well he plays the zone read game and how well he plays that whole quarterback keeper. You know, are they going to, is are they handing it to him in the mesh point? Is the quarterback taking it? Then what's going to happen? And he does a really good job in those situations. Remind me a lot of watching Kayvon Thibodeau 2022 Giants tape because of how well he played that, which is the overall savvy and the smart arts and then the athleticism to be able to do it and he in my opinion is a better athlete than Gavon Thibodeau from what I yeah. saw and it's not just the 43940 this dude had 41 and a half inch vert jump and almost an 11 foot broad jump to show off the explosiveness and I think there's a really good chance when you look at the entire athletic profile the way he plays the run because this is not like a you know Aziz Ojulari coming into the draft two years ago and we're like we really like his run defense he's tries hard and he's better than people think which was pretty good. This dude ranked number one among all edge rushers in run defense last year, according to pro football focus. That was never Aziz Ojolari's calling. He was good, but he was never this level, despite them both being kind of similar size, both a bit undersized at 240 and six foot three, not the longest players, not the biggest players. But this dude is a much better run defender. And it's not just in that zone read game on the quarterback keepers. So I think with that profile and with the athletic testing, that's just insanely through the roofs. And what you see already on tape with some of the reps, as far as the edge bend goes and some of the pass rush moves you'll see from him, there's a really good chance among all this class, he's the one who has much more production at the NFL level than he ever did at the college level. And that's what you're kind of hoping for anyway in the draft when you get these guys. You want them to be more productive unless they're like the most productive players ever in college. You want them to be more productive at the NFL level. So I think he has a really good chance. To me, he's one of like 
15, 20 at worst best prospects in this class. When you look at the whole profile, the athleticism and the production and the future and, you know, and the run defense. So I like Nolan Smith a lot. If he falls to the Giants at 25, I'd be more than happy with that pick. Yeah, I can hear arguments for Nolan Smith being the second edge, depending on the defense that you run. That's what it's yeah. going to come down to. Because again, man, the guy, his his size did not limit him as a run defender. And that's not to say he's not going to be like a, a base 4-3 end, but the guy can be an outside linebacker if you do run an even front type of defense. If you want to employ him that, that way and transition him in that way and kind of use him as a rush linebacker, but he's like a perfect fit for like a team like the Giants, who are a base 3-4 type of team. And you can have him as an outside linebacker, play that Aziz Ojolari Kayvon Thibodeau role. He could be a Sam. He can cover for you. He's physical. He can disrupt the tight ends off the line of scrimmage. I thought he I watched a little bit of his tape from 2021. I felt like he did a good, better job understanding how to use his hands. Because one thing I love about him is he plays with good leverage, right? He fires off the ball low to high, explodes low to high into contact, and then he locks out. That's one of the reasons why he's a good run defender. He locks out, plays peekaboo, locates where the running back is, and then sheds. He has very violent hands, violent tackler. So the amount of violence and physicality that he plays with in a 238 pound frame with the athletic ability, like rare elite athletic ability. That's just a recipe for success in a draft that really doesn't have a lot of top end blue chip type talent. This guy, he's not a blue chipper right now. He doesn't have the production to back it up. He certainly has the pedigree, but I think in like two years, if he stays healthy, we'll be being, we'll be talking like, man, I can't believe he fell to pick 15 or pick right. 20 or wherever he falls to. I feel the same way as you in that regard. And I don't feel that way about a lot of the prospects in this class. And I'll say one more thing about him. We talked a lot about Drew Sanders and how we like that fit with the Giants because he can line up on the edge and he can either blitz or he can drop in coverage and it gives Wink exactly what he wants. I, I mean, we haven't seen it as much with a player like Nolan Smith, but when you run a 4-3-9, dude, I, and, and you look the way he does when he's kind of playing the run defense, and like I said, playing those zone read one, runs out in space, he looks like a pretty damn functionally amazing athlete. Like, I think there's a chance he can be the guy like for Wink Martindale that's able to drop in coverage and rush the passer and kind of give you that. I don't know what's going to happen here, where they're going to be coming from type of thing. Not to mention how he like slants inside too on twists yep. and things like that, bro. It's so quick. It's so low. He's using his hands. They're active. And he just understands the type of angles to take against these quarterbacks. So he's one of my uh, like favorite players in terms of that like mid-round type of selection and he's an edge rusher. And if he was there at 25, I mean, I would fully be uh, buying into that situation. I just don't envision it. I don't envision it either, but he might be top of my list, like or damn close. If he's there at 25, we'll see what happens there. How about BJ Ojolari, the brother of Aziz Ojolari at LSU. And by the way, we haven't been given schools. My bad on that. Um, Nolan Smith, Georgia. I think we gave the two schools before that Iowa. And we talked about Will Anderson from Alabama and um, Ben Ness from Iowa as well as Tyree Wilson. So now with BJ Ojolari at LSU, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I really like BJ Ojolari. I just pulled up my my evaluation on him. I said, he's a Brazilian pass rusher with elite athletic ability to threaten tackles on the line of scrimmage and at the top of pass rushing arcs. His ability to win with quickness, bend, and his array of pass rushing moves are indicative of a first-round talent. LSU slanted and used him often on twists, leveraging Ojolari's unique ability to get skinny in gaps and penetrate through the pocket. However, his play strength when anchoring on the edge, that has to improve. He relied on his rare quickness to avoid blockers most of the time. I feel like that's more so how he plays is just, I'm going to try to dip around you. And when you do that, you kind of give up, you know, your gap responsibilities at times and smart offensive linemen will just be able to uncork you from your responsibility leading to these big runs. So the physicality is one issue that I do have with BJ Ojolari, but his short area quickness and pass rushing upside, they're elite and he could thrive as a pass rusher, a designated pass rusher early on in his career. 
When you look at his character too, he was ward number 18 at LSU. That's a really big deal. And everybody raves about his work ethic, his character. It's just how physical can he be in the trenches? And how do you want to kind of go about or where do you want to select a player like that? I would imagine it's going to be similar to Azizo Jolari. He'll probably be selecting maybe a little bit before pick 50 in this specific draft class. But man, he is explosive and he is very fun in pursuit, even though he didn't test all that well. Yeah, I think he is a good pursuit player. And I think there is a chance he can become like a three down player, but I think it's a little bit more risky at the NFL level, given what you said, there's not a lot of power in his profile and the run defense at the NFL level, I think is going to be a lot harder for him, even though he wasn't, I didn't think he was that great at the, at the, I mean, he was okay. He was good for his size, I think, but I just don't feel like when I was watching him, I saw him do a really good job of like stacking and shedding and also just kind of like pushing back with like the, just with pure power tackle. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and I think overall, he's kind of just like set for the role of being like a three, four edge playing on the outside, a wide nine type of player, which is good because I do think on the positive side, there's a really potential for a really, really good pass rusher here. Despite the fact that he didn't really test well from the explosive standpoint, the things that stood out to me is he has all this really good film uh, rushing the passer and it has a wider, wide array of moves. Like you talked about, although all the Ojolari's use a good array, uh, array of moves also he has the production. 17 sacks over the last two seasons, over 100 pressures. That's all there. But also I thought what was interesting from him was, because we, I, I, the more I'm listening to like trench play, Nick, from like people who are like film evaluators, both on the offense and the defense side of the ball, they all say like one of the most important things is like how you use your hands and how well do you win with your hands against the counterpoint or, you know, the counterpart, whoever you're matching up against. And he does have, which I thought was really interesting, 34 and one fourth inch arms. So pretty damn long arms and then 10 and a half inch hands, which are massive sized hands. So if he can get really good with the hand usage, in addition to the explosiveness he has, as you can already see on his profile and the ability to bet to bend around the edge, you're talking about someone who could, in my opinion, be like Harold Landry type pass rusher at the NFL level. Now, is that a complete player? I don't know. We'll see what happens with the run game stuff. And if he can set the edge, we've already seen like with his brother, it's not the greatest thing. It's not the greatest aspect of Aziz's game. But as far as BJ's game goes, there's a chance, I think, for him to be a better pass rusher than his brother because he's longer and because he has bigger hands. And I think he's just like overall potentially has a better pass rush profile. Yeah, I would say Aziz Ojolari in college was much more physical than BJ is, yes. which is somewhat of an issue, right? Because we've seen Aziz struggle, as you pointed out. But I'll say this, and the the first descriptive word I used for BJ Ojolari was resilient as a pass rusher. He's so much more resilient because Aziz, I would, I would contend one thing that you said. I don't think he had the array of pass rushing moves that BJ has coming out of LSU. I think Aziz coming out of Georgia, he was a big cross chop, win high side, flatten, right. get to the quarterback. I've seen BJ do that too. BJ has that move. BJ has a lot of other moves. BJ gets yeah. to his counter. BJ has a pass rushing plan, which is something that not a lot of rushers have. Like guys like Lucas Van Ness and a lot of these guys, they're just like running into the tackle and being like, okay, let's see what I can do. I'm a bowling China shop. I'm going to try to outstrength yeah. you. BJ is going to try to out athlete you but also outthink you. He is going to set up his pass rushing moves. And you see it, dude. You see it. Oh, it's first and 10. Oh, it's, oh, they're throwing. Okay, I'm going to give this move. I'm going to give this move. All right, next drive comes around. He gives that move. On the third drive, he sets that move up and then he counters off of it and fakes it and gets the tackle to think he's doing something that he's not. So there's a lot of intelligence to how BJ Ojolari rushes the passer. And that's something that I feel like pops on his film. And I really appreciate it. Because if you care about your craft and you can stay healthy, I really, I think on those money downs, man, you can come in, you can have one of the most impactful roles on that defense. 
all comes down to, though, as we said, though, how physical can you be in the trenches? Can you hold up at the point of attack? And can the Giants afford bringing on another player who might not be able to handle that responsibility? Yeah, and that's fair, too, because he definitely has a wider array of pass rush moves than Aziz had. And I just think with overall, he has a chance to be a better pass rusher. Now, what do you make of that for the next level? That's my question for you, because I don't think this is a player who's going to slide to 57. But then again, Aziz himself slid much further than people expected. So let's say at 25, is this a player you would want first? And I'll ask you about at 20 at 57. He would not be my first pick. There'd be a lot of other position groups that I think I would be looking into. He wouldn't be my first edge if Nolan Smith was around. But if we're going to be realistic, he more than likely won't be around. It's not my first choice because of that that question mark about if him and Aziz are on the same team and they're both kind of like, I don't want to say liabilities against the run, but they're definitely negatives against the run. They're not plus. Like I feel like Kayvon, he can be a plus against the run. I feel like he is different in that manner. Maybe it wasn't always evident throughout his film, but I feel like he can be. He's physical enough. He's strong enough. The Ojolari is not quite yet. Aziz, hopefully he can develop into it and you can maybe excuse the fact that he was hurt all season as a reason why he never really developed that. Sure. But we know what his game is. His game is I'm going to just use my explosiveness to win. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a target for me at 25 uh, BJ Ojolari just because I, I like it. I like the upside as a pass rusher, but I just worry about like what kind of player are we getting here? Are we getting a are we getting a three down player here if we're taking him at 25 overall? And I think that's a projection at best. And I feel like there's a good chance that he's just like a situational pass rusher at the NFL level, a really good one potentially. But that's when you kind of get into the discussion of like how much is that worth? Um, especially on a team that already just made two big investments there. I don't know. It's interesting to think about from that standpoint. And that's like the same thing with the next guy we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Will McDonald out of Iowa state. I believe it's the next guy that yep. Dan, Dan was referencing. This is a six foot four, 239 pound rusher, similar size to BJ Ojolari, a little bit taller, a little bit longer, almost 35 inch arms, which I absolutely love. And when you evaluate a player like Will McDonald, he went down to the senior bowl and he looked really good in his one-on-one -on -one reps. He played in this big 12 freaking defense that used a lot of three, three, five type of stacks. And they used a ton of tight front. So he was in a lot of four technique alignments, a lot of four eyes, a lot of five technique, meaning he didn't necessarily have the opportunity like some of these other edge rushers to pin his ears back from a wide nine from advantageous angles to get after the quarterback. He did sometimes on like third and long situations, but his role in that defense is not the role that he is going to be playing with, at least hopefully not at the NFL level. He's going to be much more in that three, four outside linebacker if you want to associate it to Wink Martindale's defense. Somebody who can slant inside, somebody who relies on his quickness, but similar to Ojolari, not the most powerful. But man, you want to talk about somebody who is very coordinated and very balanced with his footwork and how he can get to his counter moves when he was allowed to rush from wider angles. I really think he is a very controlled type of pass rusher. But again, the physicality, how, how physical can he be? And that's my big question mark with both him and BJ Ojolari. What did you see, though, on Iowa State's Will McDonald? Yeah, I felt the same way as you. I felt like he didn't. I, the problem is, like you said, he's in that three, three, five. So there are a lot of times he's lined up as a four eye, which is not going to be advantageous for him. If you're just like looking at the film and being like, oh, this is a guy who's not doing much from this position because he needs to be, like you said, a wide nine or like what the Giants have, like something where you're rushing from a wide alignment pre-snap because that's the type of that's taking advantage of what he does best, which is, you know, pass rush up the arc and bend the edge. That's the type of pass rusher this guy is. It's like, I loved Harold Landry coming out of BC and 
I don't know if that's considered right or not at this point. He kind of broke out for the Titans and then he got injured. But even mm-hmm. when he broke out, I was reading a lot from people who cover the Titans. Like he was still a liability in the run game. He was kind of annoying in that regard to have on the field from that matter. So it's like these types of guys, like the McDonald's and the Ojolaris, I it's just I don't know if that's exactly what I'm looking for at this point from an edge. I especially with Aziz already on the roster. And I kind of agree with you on Thibodeau, but I, I, I almost just want, almost want like more of like a Jihad Ward ask better of Jihad Ward who can rush the passer on this defense more so than like these Harold Landry types. And McDonald to me, I think there's like people can see it, it, it flashes a little bit on tape. Like I feel like you can see that there's more of a traits based projection with him versus Ojolari as a pass rusher versus like Ojolari who, like you said, already has a wide array of pass rush moves, has a pass rush plan, you know, has counters to his game. I almost feel like with McDonald, it's more of just people liking the burst off the edge, the bend, and that's fine. Like, I think there's value to that. It's the counter moves, too. It's the counter moves. I mean, like, he has a wicked spin move. Harold Landry's was unreal coming out of these. Oh, I love Harold Landry coming out of Boston College, yeah. Me too, and I don't. I don't even know if that's considered a win, though. At this point, like I, I just don't know anymore with those types of edges. But he, he got to a second. He got to a second contract. He got a right? big second contract, and then he got hurt. So I think, yeah, you know, it's tough to say. It's probably still considered a win. And so I, I. But the other thing is, like, I don't really feel like either of these guys were as good as Harold Landry, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm using that as a comp. It's like maybe a ceiling type of case. But now you're talking about there's also the floor mixed in where these guys just end up as like situational pass rushers don't always get home and their liabilities against the run game. I'm trying to look it up right now. I believe Harold Landry though was heavier. I think he was like 250 pounds. If I'm not mistaken. These guys are 239. So they're smaller outside linebacker, three, four outside linebackers. If you want to designate them that, but the one thing I will say about Will McDonald too, man, is he, he does have long arms as well. He has long arms and he has that sudden twitchy type of burst off the line of scrimmage. And that's going to appeal to teams. Yep. Like, like the Boye Mafes of the world, like Boye Mafe yeah. coming out of Minnesota last year, he wasn't a refined pass rusher, right? But he was just an incredible athlete. And the Seahawks were like, okay, we'll take you at the top of day two. And that's exactly where he went. And I feel like BJ Ojolari and Will McDonald both kind of fall into that bucket. Mafe, I feel like he was a little bit thicker. I don't have his measurables. I think he was a little bit thicker than these two. These guys are both narrow. Like right. it, it look like they have those types of frames where you can just add weight on. They're both very skinny. BJ Ojolari is a pretty damn skinny guy. Will McDonald's skinny. They're going to be those finesse pass rushers. And if you're looking for a finesse pass rusher on day two, I feel like they're really good in that aspect, but they might be limited in other aspects that are very, very important to winning football. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think that's a great point there. 
Um, so we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to the next player, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. This is a player I like a lot. The more I watch, especially if you go back and someone told me to look at his 2021 tape because he was playing hurt 2022, which I also just love when these guys play hurt, despite knowing like, you know, they have NFL contracts on the line, their draft stock. There's a lot. There's a lot of reasons for them to sit out, but obviously to play for your team and help your team try to make a run. Despite, you know, everyone kind of talking about how his, his production fell off and he just in general wasn't as good in 2022, he still had a lot of production overall during his Clemson career, and he played a lot of games. He had 96 pressures total, 20 sacks despite playing injured in, in 2022, 37 tackles for loss, 38 games played, um, and I think it was 38 straight before opting out in the in, during the final bowl game. Um, and I just watch him, and I feel like there's a lot of potential here. Six foot four, two sixty eight, thirty three, uh, almost thirty four inch arms. The hands are small, which could be a problem for hand usage. And I think he's still super raw as a pass rusher. He needs to get better. But when you're six foot four, two sixty eight, and you have the kind of juice that he has, in my opinion, rushing up the arc and the size and the potential to, I don't know work on your craft, let's say at the next level, like you get behind it, you get with a good coach and he's going to teach you your pass rushing moves. He's going to give you a pass rushing plan. We said a lot about that, about like Kayvon Thibodeau and other players, the giants have made moves on, um, but it can happen. Like you can get to the next level with all these tools and just get under the right coach and get the right guy. It has to be the right guy though, like, is what I was going to say. And I feel like from everything I've read about him, he is the right guy. Um, I feel like he's, like you said, played, played a bunch of games, didn't opt out, played through an injury has the has the frame I'm looking for it right now at edge for the Giants. I will say this. I was expecting a little bit more from him in the run game, um, but I feel like he was really good when he was just like shooting uphill and like trying to like shoot the gap type of run defender. In terms of run defense, yeah. my, my um gripe with Miles Murphy, I think, mm -hmm. to, to some extent is I think when he pinned his ears back and when he was most dialed in, specifically on the North Carolina tape and then I think the Syracuse tape, like you saw that upfield burst. You saw like a quick first step. You saw him threaten some of those tackles, but I didn't really see him win too consistently against like tackles that seemed like they actually knew what they were doing, mm -hmm. at least to the high side. I didn't always see that explosion. There were games that I watched where I didn't see that explosiveness. And I don't know if that was a coaching thing. Like, Hey man, like lag back. Don't, you know, just rush when he did pin his ears back. I did see a pretty explosive player for a guy who was pushing 270 pounds. I think there are reps where you see some solid band. There are times where there's obviously some tightness as well. I think you're right, dude. I don't see a very diverse pass rushing plan. I see a guy who like employs a pretty damn solid long arm move and then tries yeah. to get to the half man through doing that. I think he showed a cross chop, which is a solid move. Like we talked about with Aziz Ojolari, where you use your outside hand to cross chop down and then try to win around the edge. But I, um, I don't think he's a top 10 player like I I've seen. At 25, I'm a little I'm a little dubious, but it would depend a lot on the kid's character and, and things that I'm not going to have any information on. And I haven't done enough formal evaluation on it. I just have watched a lot of Clemson film. So that that's he never really to me jumped out and was like, yo, I'm a you want to pick me in the top 10, top 15. Like I didn't see that film, but I get definitely get the length, the size, the frame, other than the tiny hands, and then the burst. But I didn't like I wasn't grabbed by him. You know what I mean? No, I feel that. I understand that. I, I think the part that grabbed me about him was just what you said, the thing he does well, which is like win that half man and try to get, I just at 260 to be able to have a little bit of just gumbiness in him that I feel like he has. That's a, the word I'm trying to use for like the bendiness. <laughs> yeah. but it's not like the lower bend. It's just like everything, just the way he can bend at that size to me is just very intriguing. I also agree. He's not like a top 10, top 15 guy. 
at 25, I'm intrigued by him, but I, I even said it here, like saying we, we were going to go over target ranges for me. It was like round one question mark, but round two, for sure. If he was going to fall there, I don't think anybody at six, six, two or six, five, six, four, two, sixty eight is going to the way he moves. He's probably not going to fall. It's just, there's not many guys in this draft who have even that kind of movement skills at that size. But I will say this, as far as like, you're talking about potentially finding like a top 10, top 15 overall player at 25 that just falls based on position. I liked his teammate a lot better than him. We're not going to go over him on this podcast because we're talking about edges more, but I felt like his teammate was a much better player. You talk about Brian Brezzi? Yes. Yeah. Brian Brezzi is, see, yeah, we're not going to talk. We'll, we'll get into him on the interior defensive line one. It's just, yeah. that's there, there's a lot of projection there too. A lot of well. projection, but he's got that Chris Jones type body type. And I'm just in on the Chris Jones body type type guys. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of projection around pick 25. And I mean, that's the draft, yeah. right? Like that's every draft. But I do feel like this draft and we talked on the previous podcast about outliers. There's just a lot more question marks where the Giants are picking this year. But yeah, Miles Murphy, I mean, some teams probably going to just fall in love with that baseline traits that he does have yep. to offer. Believe that they can coach him up and, and get him out there. Let's talk about another player next who's had some first round buzz um, ever since the combine and Actually got a top 30 visit with the Giants, though. I think it was more so than anything an exploratory visit because they probably were like, eh, our film grade wasn't that good on him. Let's see why there's all this. Let's see if we're missing something. Um, and I am more along the lines here, Nick, of they're not missing anything. This is not a player who I want the Giants to take. I started why five. I got to him late. I watched him late. But it's the overall profile for me, and that's Keon White. I really just don't like investing a 25th overall pick in a six-year senior who's 24 years old. Um, to me, that's just not the type of investment to make. I mean, all the things look good. The arm length is great. 34 inches. The wingspan is great. Um, the hand size is pretty damn great. He's six four, two eighty five. He tested incredibly well at the combine, I think, or but not, not the vertical and the, and the, and the broad jump. That was kind of the one area where you were like questioning, especially because it's what 34 inch vert and, and under 10 foot broad jump that shows really not a very explosive athlete. And I think when you watch him, he really isn't that explosive of an athlete from what I've seen. Um, that's kind of the part, I guess that's the part that I, that really gives me the most um, pause here. Like, I think he can be a good bull rush pass rusher, maybe. And I think maybe he's the better version of job, what Jihad Ward was for the Giants defense last year or something like that. But like, am I investing a 25th overall pick in that? I don't know. I did think his background was pretty interesting, though. He came in as a recruit, as a tight end in 2017, and then got uh, his only FBS offer was Old Dominion University before transferring in 2021 to Georgia Tech. Um, so, and he didn't play in, in 2020, the COVID year. So it was a weird profile for him. It's kind of led him to the point where he is now a six year senior at 24 years old, Nick, but he did have one productive season in 2022 with 41 pressure, seven and a half sacks. So there are good things to like about his game for sure. Um, yeah. I guess I'm just not a huge fan of him in 2021. He only played 72 snaps cause he right. broke his ankle. So he broke his ankle playing basketball, I believe, in like the summer. So he didn't return until late in the season. So you really only have one year of of top production at Georgia Tech and Old Dominion. He played in 2019, didn't play at all in 2020. So it's it's an awkward evaluation. And what I wrote down after watching his tape, and I'm not necessarily in love with the idea of this guy at 25 either, but he has rare blend of size, length, athletic ability. I felt like he had quick hands that he engaged and he when he anticipated the snap well, he was able to kind of get some tackles 
kind of on their skates a little bit. And I felt like he did a good job using that long arm with a low leverage, with the heavy hands to use power to try and win these reps. But this is at the collegiate level. I didn't see somebody who was an overly nuanced type of pass rusher. I just think with his size and his burst, I think this is a player who is going to be high floor but I don't yeah. know what this feeling is for him just because he's big. He's not going to get like, he's going to be fine against the run in terms of you want him to be an even front defensive end. If you wanted him to be the Jihad ward, he's gonna be fine against the run. He can operate, operate in space. I would say similar to Jihad ward, maybe a little bit more fluid than a player like that because he's younger. So we can be an upgrade in that, right. in that area. But do you want to invest the 25th pick into that player? I feel like there are other players who can fulfill the Jihad ward role. Maybe they could be entertained at 25, but they offer more upside than a player like Keon White. So that's kind of why I'm not in love with the idea of the Giants selecting him at 25. You always talk about how some of these prospects you watch and you feel like they need a little bit of WD-40 in their hips. I just felt like with Keon White, there was a need for WD-40 with him versus some of these other pass rushers that I'm watching. I felt definitely more twitchier to me. I I agree with the get-off part. That part was good. The get-off part is definitely there. It's just a matter of like, can he, what, what is he going to do to take it? Like, is that going to work against the NFL level tackles? And, and eventually I think he might even be the type of player who like kicks inside on passing downs. Um, so is that going to work against guards? Maybe that's where he can even be a better pass rusher. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of him in the Jihad Ward role, but I just don't value that at right. pick with all of these other holes. Exactly. on the roster. Maybe in the second round I can entertain it, but I still don't think there is a ton of upside here really at least not from what I've seen on tape, but there could be more, even though he's an older player, he doesn't have a lot of like football on tape that wasn't at old dominion. So maybe yeah. you forget that, but he's also 24 years old. So there's other players in this draft that I'd be willing to entertain over Keon White. Next player on this list is Derek Hall out of Auburn, six foot two, two fifty four, 84th percentile wingspan, 84th percentile arm length, four, five, five, 40. Got people excited. 10 yard split was pretty exciting. Not a great vertical jump from his explosiveness, but then the three cone seven, two, three was definitely really good. It shows a guy who should be a bendier guy around the edge. And I really think he is from what I saw. So that's kind of just, again, watch a little bit of him, then watch some highlights and watch, watch one game on film. But what I saw just from the profile standpoint, I just didn't see the bend that I was hoping for with him. And then the other problem in my opinion with this profile is just an alarmingly bad run defender, 61.0 grade in uh 61 grade in, in run defense from pro football focus. Look, you're not going to go use PFF as the, as the Bible for this type of stuff. But when you watch him, you don't really, th- I, I don't see a player who projects to me as a good run defender at the next level either. So I thought those two things were interesting. Like, can he be a, win- can he win as a pass rusher at the NFL level without, in my opinion, great bend. I don't know. And then what's going to happen with the run defense? He's a little stiff, I would say. I like Derek Hall, though, man. This is somebody who just shot out of a cannon, has a freaking beautiful long arm move, can convert speed to power because he does have a quick first step, but he is very powerful, like just heavy handed at the point of contact. And if you watch him, I think it was the Alabama game, man. He had a bunch of pressures just kind of using the long arm and just exploding into the tackle and just jumping that tackle back towards Bryce Young, like surprising amount of bounce to, to this player. But I agree. He's just a little stiff. He's not somebody who I feel like who is going to threaten like a Will McDonald or like a BJ Ojolari. So you're going to need him to use power and then try to use his hands to kind of disengage, get through the half man relationship, whether that be high side or inside. And he can do that. Maybe you could do a little bit more of a refined job at kind of getting to that secondary pass rushing move. But this is somebody who plays with his absolute hair fire. This is what I have written down. Very smart kid who was 23 weeks premature. And Dan, as someone who was eight weeks premature, 
yet I was still a, a fat six pounds kid. I really kind of enjoyed reading that little nugget about Derek Hall. But anyways, I hate that he wore the number 29 from an aesthetic perspective. I think that did not do him any services whatsoever, but I really kind of liked him. I thought he was a very fun player. He's a speed of power rusher who aggressively puts offensive tackles on skates like their Brian Boitano, as I brought up, is something that I saw throughout his 22 Alabama tape. He drove that Bama offensive tackle like right back into the pocket, like I said, with the stab move. The guy has 84th percentile arms with almost an 83rd percentile wingspan. He is a good athlete. Like he's a sufficient athlete. He's not the most flexible, but can he drop to the boundary? Sure, he can do that. I feel like he's fine against the run. I wouldn't say he is the best run defender, but he's a much more physical and better run defender than Ojolari and McDonald. So if you want like a power rusher in a smaller type of frame with the length and the ability to use your hands to get to your secondary pass rushing moves, you can do that a little bit more consistently. I think Derek Hall is a fine option for a day two selection because he's kind of fallen out of favor, at least according to draft Knicks in terms of first round talk, which I don't think I would choose him in the first round either, but you're talking about, you know, mid day two or something. Absolutely. And the giants, I believe worked him out private visits. So He's a player I'd be okay with as well in uh, day two and round two. So maybe a target there, Derek Hall. Another player to move on to here out of Kansas State is a player who I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name. And it's Felix Anudike Azamoa. Um, we'll just go with that. On you, Dyke Azamoa. Yeah. On you, Dyke Azamoa. Six foot three, 255. 21 years old. I like that about his profile. I think he does a pretty good job, but he's really everything is set up through the bull rush with this type of guy. Um, he's longer. I, I like the long build. Like he wears 91 and it kind of reminded me of Justin Tuck in that way. I like, I felt like he was decently flexible for that long build. He played again in that three, three, five type of system playing in the big 12. I just look, I like the way he uses length against college level offensive tackles, Nick, but these types of guys, ever since taco Charlton, I've been fooled a lot on these types of prospects who can use their length to win against college level tackles. But then when they get to the NFL level, they don't have edge bend. They don't really have any defining trait as a pass rusher. So what are they really going to become? I don't know. They could become really good run defenders. Like, you know, they could become that Jihad Ward role and do it really well. And there is reason to believe that he projects as like a really good edge rusher. He had a six, nine, four, three cone, which is absolutely insane. Like he should be the guy who can change directions and bend the edge. But I feel like I didn't see that when I watched him and maybe problem of the prop, a big problem is that is where they lined him up because he was playing in that system where he was like, it was that three, three, five. And sometimes it was like, whatever the four I it's like, he's inside and you're expecting him to have more of a wide edge alignment. But I don't know with players like him with players, like who just went over hall, if they don't have that twitchiness and that edge bendiness and they're not like a huge, like, I don't know, like Tyree Wilson, you can see it when he plays, like he gets those hands up in there and he's super powerful and he's just like shooting these dudes back. And these are, and you can, in my mind, I can look at that with Tyree Wilson and I can be like, all right, against NFL level tackles who have the long arms who have the size, like that will work. But then with these guys who are a little more undersized, I don't know. I just don't know if it translates, but that's where I'm at with this player. Yeah. Felix Anudike was my, O Ozama. <laughs> See, that's a mouthful right there. I didn't really know much about him going into his little evaluation. And I didn't think he was the most explosive or the quickest player, but he did have a lot of, I would say, pass rushing moves, like a wide array of them. And I felt like his hands were active. He had some of the more precise hands probably in the class with how he got to certain pass rushing moves in certain situations, seemed very smart, seemed to know how to adjust it depending on what the offensive tackle was doing to him throughout a game. 
but I agree. He's not the flashiest. He's not the most exciting type of player. I don't think he's the sexiest, but I think he'll be one of those guys who comes in and might have like four sacks a season, be a nice rotational player for you um, in a giant scheme. Can he drop back into coverage? Is he fluid enough? Like, I think he can do it to the boundary like Jihad Ward can. I think anybody, a lot of players do. I mean, Dexter Lawrence was dropping into coverage sometimes when <laughs> not, not as much as Patrick Graham used him. Uh, but yeah, I'm not in love with him for for day two, but I do think he's that just try hard, competitively tough player that latches onto a team and fan bases end up loving him despite the fact that he's not a superstar. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think maybe he'd be a better fit for a different system. All right, let's talk about a player I am a little bit more excited uh, on profile-wise. And that's another name I can't pronounce. It's Tuli, mm-hmm. Tui Pilotu out of USC. And I like him as a target for the Giants in round two. And I think he's going to really intrigue GM Joe Shane. He's six foot three, 266, big hands, decent wingspan, decent arm length. Nothing crazy bad there. But only 20 years old, I thought was really interesting about his profile. Super productive last year during basically a breakout season, 13 and a half sacks, 22 uh, tackles for loss. When I watched him, I felt like he looked bigger and stronger than I expected than I was expecting him to look for one of those like wide alignment type of guys, like a Will McDonald or a Nolan Smith, just coming off of watching those guys and then watching him. And then he won a lot on the high side from what I saw. I thought the Ben wasn't amazing, but it was better than like the players we just discussed. To me, it was better than Derek Hall and uh, the dude who I can't repronounce his name from Kansas State, even though those guys tested better in the three cone. Um, I thought he was just light on his feet and quick. And then one thing I just really like about his profile, Nick, during last season, they started to use him at the end of the season as like a rush linebacker and kind of like that Kavika Mitchell, Kavika Mitchell, right? Like role where he's just like blitzing the A or the B gap as a stand up rush linebacker. And I just thought he showed pretty good instincts and quickness in that role. And he was beating guards and centers uh, when they put him in these position. So that just got me really intrigued knowing Wink Martindale and what he likes to do and how he likes the position versatility and the players who can play multiple roles and how often that he'll blitz and or he'll send like, you know, either actual blitzes or simulated pressures. And to have a guy like him who can move into the inside and maybe rush from the inside, the B and the A gap and beat those guards and beat those centers with his quickness and the instincts, I, I, that intrigued me a lot about this dude's profile. The funny thing about Tua Pelotu, he won more high side than some of those other guys, but it wasn't because he was overly bendy. He just did like such no. a good job kind of like recollecting his balance at the top of the arc and then taking like a longer path into the pocket. And I don't know why, but in the Pac-12, they just didn't seem like they were throwing the football. They would just stand back there for like three yeah. and a half seconds, like allowing these pass rushers to tee off on him. I would say he has a pretty quick first step. Like, look, he's not the most athletic guy. He's not the most powerful, but he does have good power at the point of attack. I think he has shorter arms, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have that in front of me at the moment, but he's not the longest dude. He has sub 33 inch arms, but similar to Anu Daikuzama in the sense that it's like, I'm going to play my ass off throughout the whistle. Like I'm going to do that. And I feel like Tui Pelotu might be a little bit more, um, have a little bit more juice than Anu Daikuzama, but I think Anu Daikuzama is just a better overall technician with his hands. Tuli was a unanimous All-American last year who had 13 and a half sacks, 22 tackles for a loss, so a productive player. He's interesting, he's sudden, but I wouldn't say he has that type of explosiveness as like a Derek Hall or a Miles Murphy. And he's not the bendiest dude, but he does a great job recollecting his balance and affecting the quarterback while cornering into the pocket. I appreciate his feet. 
as he heads into a one-on-one battle against offensive linemen. He uses a lot of inside jabs. He leverages his lateral quickness, which allows him to win the edge. So it's not just always how quick his first three steps are. It's kind of how he approaches those first couple steps to cause hesitation with the offensive lineman. Also, when he's going into these interior gaps, he has that whole Jack Nicholson in the shining type of ability to get skinny through narrow gaps and pierce into the pocket. I can see the Giants having interest in Tua Pelotu since he's so versatile and since he's such a high energy type of player who also dropped into coverage several times throughout his college career. Plus, he's only 20 years old. Yeah. And that's definitely a part of the profile that I think they'll like the Giants. I don't know where exactly I would want to target this player. Six foot three, 266 pounds. Like, is this okay at 57? Or would this be a player that we're looking for even later than that, depending on how deep we consider this edge class, which I feel like this edge class is pretty deep. It's it is deep. That's yeah. the top, but it's deep. Yeah, I think you're right about it. It's deeper than we've, no- than we've had normally. So that could impact where the Giants want to take one. But I actually wouldn't be fine with him in round two. And I could see the Giants. Be, I could see this being a player the Giants are interested in out of this edge class, um, just based on the profile, the age, the ability to do multiple things, drop in coverage, play that rush linebacker position. Just seems like the type of guy that they would invest in. We'll see if they are actually interested. Let's talk about a player who you recently did a profile on. Diaya Diaby, the edge out of Louisville, six foot three, two sixty three, senior, older prospect. Um, Really made some buzz at the Senior Bowl in the Combine. They've kind of helped him get to where he is now. Four five one forty yard dash at two sixty three is insane. One five one ten yard split even more insane. Vert and broad jumps very 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 explosive. But twenty three year old prospect um, who played a lot of four tech for the Louisville defense. So he's again based on that a little bit more of a projection. I don't exactly know where he's going to play at the NFL level position wise, but. Despite the age, I feel like when you test that well at the combine and you and you and you're at that size, just like I said with Miles Murphy, like there are just not too many guys. And he's not like as long as a Miles Murphy. He's only six foot three and his wingspan and the wingspan's pretty good, though. Um, looks like percentile wise. So, yeah. What do you make of the obby? Yeah, heavy-handed. He's an older prospect with a unique path to the NFL, but his appearance at the Senior Bowl and Combine have assisted his journey into being talked about as a day-two pick. Diaby is a quick, penetrating edge who aligned primarily as a four technique for Louisville's defense. He's quick to sift and navigate through traffic on twists and when he is slanting to penetrate, which he does a good job doing. His heavy hands can stun offensive linemen, but he lacks a refined pass rushing plan or an ability to string the moves together. There's some rawness to his game. Still, his size, length, athletic profile, and ability to kick inside like he did in college will entice NFL teams. Even though he will be 24 soon, it's easy to see why and how his best football is still ahead of him after a very impressive senior season at Louisville. We'll wrap up with one more player here, Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin, who some people think will have to eventually move to inside linebacker. Um, I, I'm, I think his profile is really interesting to me. I mean, Herbig is a player who was you knew when he stepped onto the field of Wisconsin, he played really early in his career there, that he was going to be one of their better pass rushers. And I feel like he's one of those guys that's better on tape than his testing shows. But I don't know if that's just because I'm a huge Wisconsin fan. I don't think he can. I don't know if he can eventually move to linebacker full time, but I know that he has a skill set that Wink Martindale will like, like that Drew Sanders type. You can rush the passer or you can drop in coverage type of profile. And because of that, I think he'll have some interest to the Giants. And I just feel like when you watch him play, he does all those little things right as a pass rusher, like getting skinny through areas he needs to get skinny through, winning with his hands, having more explosiveness than you would expect for a player like that um, as far as in the pass rushing game. So I think there is potentially a fit here for him for the Giants at 89 overall. 
Uh, and that's where I would look to target him. I was shocked, Dan, when I saw that he ran a 1-6, 10-yard split. Because to me, he looks a lot more explosive. 1-6 isn't bad, don't get me wrong, but he he looks so much more explosive to me on tape than a 1-6. Than so maybe that did not do him any justice. I thought he was fluid. I thought he was bendy. thought he was a very explosive hustle type of player with a good understanding of where the quarterback is going to be. And I don't know if that's coached by Jim Leonard. Maybe you can teach or teach me this, bro, and, and let me know. Because there were so many times on tape where he would like go to do a pass rushing move, realize he wasn't going to win, and then peel off and then contain. And the quarterback had pressure in his face. So he would spin out to a place where he didn't think anybody was. And Herbig was right there waiting for him. Like that's a very that's high a big part of the coaching. That's a big part of the coaching. They were doing that throughout his entire tenure. Leonard, that was an inch. I like that observation. Cause that's always you. That's always what you would notice watching Wisconsin. They always had someone containing. And, and her, and he was so good at it. Cause he's like his ability to close with his short area quickness was very impressive to me. And I think he could be a really good situational pass rusher at the next level, but similar to some of those other high end guys we were discussing, it's the physicality. Like what are right. your thoughts, Dan, somebody who is a Wisconsin Badgers fan in terms of his ability to hold up as an edge rusher, because I am a little dubious about that. Now the, the tape that I saw, it wasn't too bad but just looking at his frame bro like he's yeah he's skinny he's a skinny freaking dude it's the frame is the issue there is the trend because you have to translate it to the next level and you have to project it and that's the thing that's why they're thinking that he might have to move to inside linebacker off ball linebacker because of the frame because i feel like like you said it's he's deep it doesn't seem to be a problem right now or it didn't seem to be a problem on his film right now as much as you would think it would be but then you get to the nfl level and that's a whole new ball game you have to make all this projection against bigger longer athletes at tackle and tight end yeah, no, he's he's somebody that I think they can definitely possibly be interested in round what? Like where does he go? Three at eighty nine. Yeah, it could yep. be, maybe. It's interesting with a lot of these edge rushers, man. I'm not because there's a lot of guys we didn't even go over. It's like where's like Byron yeah. Young from Tennessee right. gonna go at his age with his path, but he's like bursty and has a complete control of his pass rushing moves. And I feel right. like he's a very interesting player. Isaiah McGuire, who's more of a long arm power rusher, the kid from Missouri, like where's he going to go? Nick Hampton from Appalachian uh, state, similar, smaller type of guy might be question marks as, as a uh, holding up on the edge at the point of attack. But in terms of his burst and his ability to rush the passer, there are traits that will lend one to believe that he will develop in that area. So just where will the giants value that? And this is one of the fascinating things about the giants in this particular draft, because they're picking so high because they had such a successful season yet they kind of need everything like the only thing they're yeah. they're out on is quarterback right now and even that like a day three pick is not shocking whatsoever so they could go in a variety of different directions and i know the giants spent two premium picks at edge the last two drafts but there's they still could use another premium pick in that area to really kind of solidify that rotation yeah for sure and i think for now we kind of achieved the goal that i wanted to at least with this one which was going to be essentially just give a little overview of everything we're looking at as far as the edge class goes players who might interest the giants what rounds they might interest them get a little bit of a a little bit of everything on on a few on a lot of edges because we didn't hone in like we've done on the past with this preview on just three players we wanted to kind of touch on all of them because we don't really know where the giants will take their first edge or if they're going to take their first edge and it could definitely be like rounds two or three um but we'll see what happens there let's wrap up the show nick by doing a mock draft review all right, let's start here with JDNY85, who says five-star review. I used PFNN for my mock. So at 25 overall, he took Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa. 57 was Julius Brents, the corner out of Kansas State. 89, 
was Joe Tipman, the center at Wisconsin. Bryce Ford Wheaton at 128. Tank Dell at 160. 172 Tajay Spears. Nick Herbig, we just discussed at 209. Yasir Abdullah at 240. Corey Durden at 243. And Earl Bostic Jr. at 254. What are your thoughts? I think Jack Campbell at 25 is a little bit rich for me, but I love Jack Campbell. And if you just flipped Julius Brents and Jack Campbell, I might feel a little bit yeah. different, even though it's a little bit early for Brents, but I am a big Brents fan. But the one, two, three punch of Jack Campbell, Julius Brents, Joe Tipman, wherever you freaking select him, I think I'm pleased with that. There's no wide receiver yet, but then he doubles down two consecutive wide receivers, two burners. I mean, Tank Dell is not necessarily a burner, but I think he has some vertical ability. Then Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia blew up the combine. And you could see it also happen on tape. He's nine route type of guy, a vertical specialist, didn't have the best situation at West Virginia. Tank Dell, you know, that's one of my draft crutches. So love him at 160, 172 Taji Spears. That's just stupid, silly. And I like Herbig at 209. So even though I don't love the first round pick, I'm giving this an A. Yeah, this has got to be an A because of Tipman at 89 is just great value. Tajay Spears and Tank Dell at 160 and 172 are just insane knock it out of the park. And then 209 Herbig. I also am with you, though. I don't love Campbell Brents. Like, I think they can do better with their one-two than Campbell Brents, personally. Um, but at the same time, you're getting a little bit of floor with Campbell and a little bit of ceiling, I think, with Brents. Now, there's definitely a floor there with Brents as well. Um I meant more so with Campbell, a higher floor and a little bit of a lower floor there with Brent's, but we'll see what happens on that front. All right, let's do one more and then we're going to get out of here. And that's from Emanny58, who has one trade back. And he says, I even did it so we can have the same amount of picks, but get an extra third, which could actually be a realistic trade. So he trades back the 32, um, which I guess is the first pick of day two. Because um, yep. there's a, the Dolphins forfeited a pick. Takes Emmanuel Forbes, the corner at a Mississippi State. Then this is the part that got confusing to me. Steve Avila. Yeah, 57. Okay. 57 he goes with now. Steve Avila. A little bit of a typo, but Steve Avila, who's a player who, by the way, Nick, I just started watching this past weekend before we recorded, and I freaking love the way this guy looks. Yeah. I watched the, uh, what was it? I watched Georgia, but I watched the Michigan game because they love this Mozzie Smith guy. And then I heard, uh, I think it was Brandon Thorne talking about how much he loved Avila's tape on against Mozzie Smith, the Michigan dude who's like the interior guy, defensive lineman yeah. who's moving up draft boards. And I watched him, and he looked freaking awesome. He is a powerful, powerful dude, this Steve Avila. So I like this pick. Then Henry Tuototu, the line inside backer out of Bama, who I've said before, and I'll say again, I think is very underrated in this class. Not flashy, but will get the job done, in my opinion, would probably have been like the best inside linebacker on the Giants last year if he was on the team, quite frankly, um, just from an instinct standpoint. Then, again, Bama pick at 89, Jordan Battle, safety. Then Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver at 128. At 160, another typo here. I don't know who it is, but uh, maybe you can figure this one out, Nick. This is a bit of a typo here. Uh, That's KJ Henry. Oh, KJ Henry. Okay, it's just, there it is. It was Harry and Katie, but it's okay. It's close enough. And then 172, Zach Koontz, who the Giants have actually used a visit on, I believe. The tight end out of Old Dominion transfer from Penn State. Most insane measurables you ever see for tight end prospect. And then Chandler Zavala at NC State, I really like too. An interior defense, offensive lineman, I should say, at 209. I think he's also really interesting. Carter Warren out of Pittsburgh, I've heard really good things about him. Uh, apparently, had really good tape in 2021 against Miles Murphy. I haven't seen it, but something maybe worth watching. And then Trey Tucker at 243. I really like this. I mean, typos aside, uh, Emani 58. Emmanuel Forbes, you trade back, you land him. That's excellent. Steve Avila, and I actually want to use this mock draft to springboard into another discussion here in a little bit, but let me just finish this. 
about Steve Avila. I love that player. I'm wondering if he is the type of offensive lineman that the Giants are looking for. I'm not saying that he's not, but the Giants have seemed like everybody that they brought in can move. have been light-footed move oh. type of players, whereas Steve Avila is much more of like, I'm a powerful guy and I will destroy people on duo, but I'm not the most flexible in terms of yep. moving in space. But we maybe we could touch on that a little bit. Uh, Tuatola and Battle at 80 and 89. I feel like that's a little bit early for both those players from what I've seen. And I watched Alabama just for seeing Brian Branch, but I was mostly focusing on Branch, who I absolutely love. But still getting smart Alabama players who have some versatility is never necessarily a bad thing. Like Jonathan Mingo at 128. And I really like all the picks just going down. KJ yeah. Henry, uh, that that's fine at 160. I've seen people mock him to the Giants much earlier. So at that point, I'm fine with that. And Savala, that's a high upside athletic guard out of North Carolina State that can grow and possibly be your right guard of the future. Carter Warren, he was hurt this past season. But like you said, I've also heard 2021 tape was pretty solid, but a long guard out of Pitt who I think went back to school to focus more on his run blocking because it's a little bit more of his pass block. That's at least what I've heard. And then Trey Tucker, just a burner out of Cincinnati. So I like this. I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it an A as well. I'm going to give this one a B plus. I'm warming up more and more, Nick, as we get closer to Emmanuel Forbes. You're very high on him. And look, there are some issues. Like I saw, I heard yesterday on a podcast that he would be the, the lightest corner to ever go in the first round. And he would be the lightest corner just drafted since like 2003, I think it was, or 2002, which is just scary to me. Like when you hear those types of things, but I think the reason I'm warming up more and more to him is like, there is something no one's really talking about about his game, and it's that he ran a 4.36. So it's like, and you could see it on the film. The speed is freaking there, and it's obvious. It's not, it's tested, and it shows on the film. And to me, when I think about the corner position overall, I feel like more than anything else, 40 yard dash matters there more than any, and not just 40 yard dash, but like legit actual speed, like not, not just the testing speed, but what you see matters there more than any other position. Cause you need to be able to recover there at that position. And you're always back. You're always back pedaling the start. Like it's, a, it's an advantageous position for the receiver in that matchup every single time the corner is on his heels. So to me, the speed profile there really helps him become somebody I'm more interested in, uh, especially at 32. So I like that. And Avila, I'm with you. I'm a little just intrigued by if they would draft a player like that because, like you said, they're, they're looking for guys more who have light feet, nimble, can get out in space and move. Toto, Toto, is that how you say it? Toto? Uh, Toa Toa. Toa Toa. Okay. Toa Toa. I like it. wrong, too. Yeah, who knows with that? But you never know with these guys. We're not. We're watching films. Not like the announcers are saying their names th like throughout the film. But um, and I wasn't. I mean, we watched Bama, so I. But I guess we just didn't hear his name. But anyway, he uh, he's somebody I like a little bit more than you. I don't like. I, okay, Mingo is a guy who's rising up draft boards. I don't really see it the way other people do with Mingo. We can get into that discussion on a wide receiver podcast, Nick. But at one twenty eight, obviously, like I'm fine with that. That's a great value yeah. at one twenty eight. But like I've seen people talking about him as like sneaking into day one or like early day two. I don't really see it as much with him as other people do. Rest of the draft, though, I freaking love. I mean, Zavala, Warren to help out the interior and the exterior offensive line. Dak Coons, gamble on traits at 172, fine by me. Like you said, Tucker's a burner, gamble on traits at 243, fine by me. So overall, because I don't really love the beginning part of this draft that much, I'm going to give it a B plus, even though I like how it, how it finalized. One thing about Steve Avila, too. Yeah, he played left guard in 2022, but this guy has played over a thousand snaps at center at the collegiate level, has also played right tackle and has played right guard. This guy has started 
on four separate positions along the offensive line. So you're talking about versatility. And he might not be the most fleet of foot, but he's a pretty damn good athlete for six foot two, what, two or 330 something pounds. Right. And I was just like putting that out there because I, I do think it's it's fun to look at guys like him and Osiris Torrance and players who are more physically based, maybe better better for a duo type of blocking scheme, a more vertical displays type of blocking scheme. If the Giants will be interested, the Giants do run those concepts, but the Giants also want to kick you out in a space. And we've right. seen from Mark Lewinsky, who they added in free agency to Josh Zudu, they're more, I would say, fleet of foot. And even a Marcus McKethan, he might be more of the Steve Avila prototype, but that was a late day two or day three yeah. pick. So I am a little curious. I'm not saying they wouldn't, but I do think that question is, is at least fair to ask. Yeah, that's a good question. We'll talk about that more when we talk offensive line. That's all we have for today and the edge preview here at Big Blue Banter. Keep it locked and loaded. Remember, if you want to get your mock draft read and graded, post it in the iTunes reviews. Leave a rating, five stars, post your mock and the review, write anything else you want to if you want to. But outside of that, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.